This is TLDR Podcast, where we talk sports, MLB, NHLs, NBAs, pop culture, and nobody understands Westworld, and more. Top 10 alcoholic beverages. With your hosts, Alex. Yeah, boy. Eric. Yo. James. The San Francisco 49ers, best team in the league. Traded. Right. Oh, sit down, bud. And Tyler. Oh, damn where we do the research and trash-talking for you. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is Adam Silver thinking? <laughs> they're playing super hot right now, and they're... It's and they're not finishing. Good. It's the middle of the season. Oh, I understand that, but I'm saying that they're, they're moving towards that. Welcome to TLDR Podcast, presented by Anchor. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 76 of TLDR Podcast. Uh, we still got the world's longest penalty kill going, guys. Uh, just me, James, and Trayden here on the pod with you today. Should be a great one. Uh, James just finished dinner. How was it? I'm actually currently still eating dinner. Oh, got shit. lasagna. Mm. One of my soft girls made it. If you watch the podcast it's right here. Ooh, yummy. Um, but yeah, man, it's delicious, man. She made me the entire tray just for myself. Because I asked for it. She's wow. great. It's phenomenal. So she gave you an yeah. entire tray of lasagna. Yeah, dude. It was like 12 pounds. <laughs> I <Wow>. waited. <laughs> so that, it's taking me a couple of days to eat, but uh, uh, this is the last of it. So yeah, putting that's it down. phenomenal. Good I know, you, man. man. Uh, so, I mean, obviously the lasagna is great. How's everything else? Oh, it's good. I um, got hungover again on Saturday. I'm, like extremely mm. hungover. It's For some reason, every time I drink with, uh, with Lane, I get hungover the next day, like bad. The first Good time we, drank, we went to Heroes, we ran up a bar tab like 400 bucks. Crazy. And this last Friday, we went out to Santa Ana, got super drunk, was drinking like whiskey, wine, vodka, tequila, Ooh, everything. God. Yeah. Can't do that. So Saturday morning was was a struggle. Had to go to Dr. Shepard's house for AT Appreciation Night or day where he handed me a beer and I was like, damn, I got to <laughs> drink again. <laughs> can't say no to that. You can't say no. Uh, yeah. So I had a couple of beers there, a couple of Sierra Nevadas. Went to dinner that night at Playground. Had more drinks. Dude, it was just, ugh, my body just feels gross. Mm. And then uh, Sunday, went to like a Christmas thing, like the Christmas tree lighting in the orange circle. Um, very disappointing. Because mm. you would think that they would light up the one tree in the middle of the entire circle, right? Like, you would yeah. think that would be the it. But they lit up some random ass tree in the corner. And it was like a countdown of three, two, one. And I was looking at the wrong tree. And they lit up the run. <laughs> oh like, my, oh god. my god, it was so disappointing. Hmm. Orange, it's better. right next to the wall. Yeah, orange. Yeah. I gotta send them a like to the board of trustees of orange or whatever the yeah. supervisor is like, bro. You should, wrong you, tree. You, you should show up to the city council meeting and just during That's the during the free form section, just go up there and just complain about their tree, how, how much bullshit their, their tree lighting was. So, honestly, like if you guys go to the circle, it's the tree next to the wall, which is on like the East eastern corner of the entire circle. Put it in the middle. It's like the, the least looking Christmas tree ever. That's what I'm saying. But That's it like didn't a, make sense. Shameful. <laughs> wow. That's brutal. Well, shameful. All right, Orange, do better. Uh, Jane or Traden, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Um, not much really from like not really much going on besides uh, just hanging out with family. Um, we had we had Kylie's Christmas on Sunday yesterday um, with my parents. Um, cause she's not going to be here for Christmas. So we, we, we had that watch some football, help my dad with some stuff. It's been, it's been good, man. Um, we, the, my work has like started like a, like a work from home, more work from home for the last, uh, last few weeks here, which is, which is kind of nice. I got to go in, um, tomorrow for a holiday party, but that'll be fun at least. <laughs> wow, Dude, I mean, your last holiday party was on zoom, wasn't it? And some, some shit gave you like... yeah, and that <laughs> and my our boss, I guess, said that he'll never ever ever do that again. So tomorrow we're going to a bougie ass expensive place for lunch, all the way in fucking like by you, Tyler. Oh, right. Which I don't fucking understand why we're going all the way over there, but whatever. <laughs> um, and then we're gonna go to D and B after. We're gonna go from like a bougie, <laughs> ass, <laughs> a bougie ass fucking restaurant in on the ass end of LA where like nobody lives except one dude. And then we're gonna turn around and go to DMB probably in Arcadia, which is like close to me. Hmm. DMB is classy. What are you saying? 
yeah, yeah it's very classy that's, that's yeah. a great place <laughs> yeah so go win a prize dude. I, i'm gonna be spending a lot of time driving tomorrow which is really annoying yeah that does sound annoying was that was that zoom christmas party last year like comparable to like the office when they had that uh party with the it was like the website party and yes. it was all super awkward and everyone had to wave and yeah just... it, it pretty much was like that he um our boss did like a little trivia competition which turned which turned into a shit show so i mean mm. like i'm just glad that we don't have to deal with that yeah definitely nice to have parties and stuff with work people and everything in person again you know it's, it's not it's definitely nice to have that so hopefully everyone's enjoying their work holiday parties and or any other kind of parties and uh it's t- you know tis the season guys so hopefully you guys are getting the most out of it so far but it's just started so it's only if it already feels like we're like we're like really deep into the month just with the with the festivities i feel like but it's only it's not even the first week of december yet or it hasn't gone to the first it's literally been the first week of december yeah i mean barely we like barely started it's the sixth what do you mean i'm saying we haven't gone through a first full week of september december is what i meant (laughs) to say i know i didn't say that my mouth said something my brain was said something different Great start, time. Great start. Great start. <laughs> the hostess with the mostest. Uh, let's get right into it, guys. Uh, let's talk a little hockey here. Uh, so, Trayden, you're leading us off with your holy holy puck moments uh, for this week of hockey. Uh, a lot, lot going on as usual, including the Kings kicking your, your Oilers ass last night. So, let's 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 talk about it. Yeah, um, about that. I, I, yeah, so I don't know if you guys are are reading my uh, my power rankings. Um, I know I missed last week, but I brought it back this week. I'm starting to write a little less because I, it, I just put like almost too much into it. And I, I think that people are probably a little annoyed by how wordy my last ones were. So I make it a little shorter and sweeter. Nothing was as short and sweet as my Edmonton Oilers uh, uh, ranking. I think I bumped them down like four spots and literally just wrote, learn to play against shitty teams that's 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 it that's all they need to do they need to learn how to play against seattle they need to learn how to play against la who's i'm sorry tyler way beneath the edmonton oilers it is such a shame when a team no but it is it is such a shame when a team plays plays down to their opponent it it just it just is infuriating um and i'm seeing that on with my chapman team i'm seeing that with the edmonton oilers right now sometimes tyler i see it with us I see with our team. Like, I don't know if I, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe. Um, I mean, there's a, I mean, that's the common denominator there. It, it is. I mean, I'm in, I'm, I'm involved with all of that, but anyway, <laughs> uh, it has been a crazy week for the NHL. Um, we're act, we're, this is kind of the time where we start to see coach firings and, and start to see, you know, um, firings of GMs and boy, have we, um, we saw two, we saw two, um, firings this week. Um, one that we're going to really talk about the other one, I mean, is, is of interest. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to see if they, if, if the, if, so the Philadelphia Flyers fired Elaine Vigneault. Um, I, I mean, really not really surprising. The Flyers have been not, I mean, they, they've been kind of not, haven't been playing very great, uh, as of the last couple of years. I mean, we, we saw them last year. We had, a, they had a strong start, um, but they just, they've just fizzled out. I think, I think that they just needed a new voice in that locker room and they hire Mike Yo. Um, Mike Yo, yeah, last was a head coach for the um, St. Louis blues before he got fired um, and was replaced by a coach who took him to the Stanley cup final and won. So <laughs> we'll see if he can do the same with the, with the flyers. I just given that staff, I just don't think that, but um, nonetheless, Mike Yo, congratulations on making it back to the NHL. Um, I think you you do. I mean, th- look, these most of these coaches guys deserve a lot more. Look, I mean, it's not completely their fault. I mean, when, when it comes to go- when it comes to coaching, to me, if a coach uh, is fired, it's usually because he got goalie. His goalie sucks. That's really what it comes down to. There's a common denominator that every single every single time you look at a at a team that has failed and they've fired a coach, they tend to have really bad goalie stats contrary to the other side coaches who win the the coaching um award at the end of the year tend to have the best co- uh, goalie stats so it's just kind of how it goes if your goalie's doing well the coach is doing well somehow that's just kind of how the correlation works um we're gonna move on um to the other one uh, to the other um um coaches coach uh firing so um finally after the long what seemed like the longest just 
bleeding of, of, uh, of the Vancouver Canucks. They finally fired their GM and their coach in the, in the same day. Um, Jim Benning is finally out as GM, um, you know, good riddance. He kind of, you kind of fucked up way too many times and didn't know how to handle a, a, a cap situation. And, and here you are sitting with a team that you have fans that are throwing, you know, jerseys on the ice and it's turning into a fucking shit show. Literally fans are chanting fire bending right at, at on their home rink. So that, that's, that is already says a lot. Um, but they, they, uh, they also fired uh, Travis Green and brought in Bruce Boudreau. Um, James, you, be, you might be familiar with him. I'm not sure how you, much you were in the hockey then. But Bruce Boudreau was, was a former uh, coach of the Anaheim Ducks. He's also, he's also been a coach of the Washington Capitals. Um, and Tyler, I just wanted to ask you, how do you think this is going to impact the, the Vancouver Canucks? I mean, do you see this as, you know, do you, do you see him coming in and making immediate changes now? I mean, obviously he's going to get at least two years. So, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs, I don't think he's going to get fired. But do you think that they're already going to see an immediate change going forward? Yeah, a lot, a lot to unpack with this one. Um, first of all, well done, Vancouver fans. You got what you wanted. You know, they demonstrated their frustration. And pretty much the next day, ownership was like, yeah, I guess we should, we should do something about it. So uh, Vancouver fans got, at least got what they wanted, the, you know, the kind of the leadership and um, the management of that team is gone. Um, long overdue, as Traden kind of mentioned too, uh, this team has been kind of spiraling for the last few years. And a team that many expected to be, you know, a top contender in that division at this point, just with the way they were trending not, not, not too long ago. Um, I mean, when, when, when your top three players are having like career shit years, that's a sign of just really bad coaching, just bad management, just bad all around everything. Like that should not happen. Like, you know, one guy has a bad year, that's just either bad luck. But when your top guys are all consistently just not playing well, that's a problem. Um, and that's not the player's problem. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's everyone's fault, but there's definitely a big problem with, with, with management when that happens. So um, I think Bruce Boudreaux is a solid hire. Um, I don't think it's going to be the long-term solution for the Canucks. I mean, they, they gave him two years. I think it's just kind of to smooth things over for at least two years for them to really figure out what they want to do moving forward. Um, I think Boudreaux is going to give this team a lot of confidence. I think he's, it's definitely, I think the culture and the, the, the dynamic in that, in, in that locker room will definitely improve. Um, I think the players can breathe a sigh of relief and at least know that they have, a, you know, a, a coach. I think that's a, a, a very successful coach. One of the, you know, top winningest coaches ever um, kind of your guy. So like I, said, I, I, I don't, I think this season is definitely lost. I don't think they're going to do a whole lot. Hopefully they, you know, can gain some of it in terms of confidence and the, development and kind of move forward next year will be interesting to see what happens i think you know if if if, if boudreaux is able to turn this team around in a, in a season and have a somewhat successful season maybe they extend that that, that offer but I, as of right now i don't see boudreaux being the long-term option there in vancouver um but you know things can definitely change but short-term wise i, I don't think it's can, he's going to make an, an immediate impact other than just the 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 mental part of the players and the fan base being a little bit relieved and can kind of at least move on from all the shit that happened but i don't think the play on the ice is going to improve a whole a whole lot under him i just think that's just too quick of a expectation but yeah uh, definitely a lot that vancouver still has to go but at least they started off on the right foot by firing both those guys i think that was the right move uh they just had to do it it was long overdue um, so hopefully they can start moving in the right direction. See, I just don't understand why you don't think he's a long-term answer because with somebody with such a decorated resume and you, you said yourself, one of the, one of the best coaches, one of the most winningest coaches, if he's just a stepping stone, that doesn't make sense. If you just want somebody to be a stepping stone to finish out the season and then hire somebody else later on, you'd hire somebody who is less experienced, who would cost less money. But why would you go for the dude who has won a lot? Like, what does that well, help you for him to be a step? Well, step? I, I agree. And I said, you know, I, I think Boudreaux is a great coach and I think that they should lock him up long-term, but the fact they only gave him two years to me doesn't speak confidence from the organization that they think Boudreaux is the long-term option there. Um, maybe he will be, like I said, maybe he's going to impress enough in, in his basically year and a half that he's going to have there that they'll offer him a, you know, a, a much, much longer, a long-term deal. I think he's a great coach, probably one of the best coaches that were available right now. Um, but I think two, two years is definitely not enough to make a huge change in that, in that, um, in that, with, with that team. So from, from an org from an organizational standpoint, that contract did not offer me 
the answer that they think that Boudreaux is going to be their long-term solution. Who is the Flames coach right now? Sutter, Daryl Sutter. Sutter. How many years did he get last year? Jaden, you know off the top of your head? Uh, not off the top of my head. But wasn't he just renewed this last season? So wasn't he just signed yeah. for that one season? Yeah, he, so he, was, it, he was short-term. Exactly. So is it normal for midway through the season? You're not going to get a long contract. Well, I mean, look, signing a three-year deal to me is like that's 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 enough for him to 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 have his try, right? the The, the thing is, they haven't really they haven't hired a GM yet, so it, it, it's really going to come down to that, right? Like the GM is going to want to is going to want to hire his own guy, which was kind of interesting to me is why they did this because usually when you when you fire a GM and I mean, I, I thought that maybe Bruce Burjo was going to come in for the year, but even that he signed for three, actually, I think is a lot more confidence than I, than normal, given the fact that they haven't signed a, a GM yet. Um, so that that part is, is intriguing to me um, as to what, you know, as to where he's going to be at when the new GM, you know, is finally named. It might not be it might not be until closer to the um, trade deadline. You know, we might not see a GM for a little while. Um, I, I think the Canucks are, are, are definitely, definitely need to take a step back and reevaluate their, their management. Because at this point, the, 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 the Canucks fan base is, is very, is very fragile. Um, right now they're very, they're very upset. Um, and they, they won't look, this is the team that, this is the team that burned their city down because they lost the 2011, uh, Stanley cup. Like they, they burnt like uh cop cars because they because they didn't win like this is this is a this is a fan base that's extremely fragile but bringing in bruce boudreaux i think was the smartest move they could have made for a couple reasons one tyler you and and james you said has a winning culture he 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 comes in and he doesn't miss playoffs i mean he's i mean looking back he's missed the playoffs twice as a, as his time as a as a um, head coach, but Washington, Anaheim, and then Minnesota, uh, and one and the the one time in Anaheim was his was his first you know go at it. You know his, his team wasn't really rounded out yet, and then you know then he goes to the conference finals, second round. I mean he, this is a guy that is knows how to knows how to get his team to the playoffs. He's also a guy that is has has a, so much positivity. He's, he's a fun loving guy to be around. And when he is going to be in front of um, the cameras and the, and the microphone, he's going to make, he's going to calm down the waves there. He's a player's coach. He lets his top dogs go. And that's the biggest thing. We saw that with what he did with Ovechkin. We saw what he can do with, uh, with Getzlav and Perry. He, he, and he did it in Minnesota and now he's going to come in and he's going to be able to let Bo Horvat go, uh, Quinn Hughes go. All um, hopefully unlock Elias Pettersson from something that is some some sort of mental issue. I hope that he can calm him down and and bring him back to what we expect from him. And he's done that. And I don't know if he's going to be long term. I really I really don't know. I would expect him to be, especially if if he can turn this organization around and make people you know kind of more comfortable what of what they can expect for the future. Um, so I, I love this hire. I'm very interested to see what, what he's going to do. I think, I think I actually think he's going to make it They always make an immediate impact, at least for the first like, two weeks. And then we see what the impact's going to be after that. It's always like a big gut bump. You know, it's, it's always like that. So let, we'll give it two weeks to see. And maybe in two weeks, we're going to, we'll come back and say, Hey, what, how do we think about the Canucks at this point? The problem is with the Canucks is, is they're, I think Tyler, you're right. They're just too far back this season, especially when you have LA's to playing well, Anaheim's playing well, um, Sharks are playing well. Um, Vegas has still not yet opened up, but you can, you can assume they're going to. Um, so you, you have a Pacific division that's a lot better than you expected. So I think that they're probably out of it, um, but I will be interested to see how he's going to impact um, the organization. I'm, I'm very excited to see um, what he's going to do for Vancouver going forward that organization deserves a good team and, and we'll kind of see how it goes. Do you guys have anything else on, on the Canucks before we move on? Nah, bro. Um, all right. Thank you, Tyler. We're going to move, we're going to move on to my other topic that I wanted to, that I, you know, gave to James actually. And it's been the Dallas stars. Holy shit. The Dallas stars are on fucking fire guys. Like they, like this team I thought was completely out of it. I looked, I looked two weeks later after my, uh, after my power rankings and I'm like, holy fucking shit. Like it's completely a different team. 
And you know what? Maybe, maybe I should have seen it coming earlier. Um, th- this team is looking very, very, very good. Um, yet we're, we're seeing one, one player that is in, um, in trade talks and that's Anton Hudobin. Um, we'll see where, he, if, if he ends up anywhere. Um, I think t- Tyler, I think we've talked about the goalie situation in Dallas a couple of weeks ago. So um, it looks like Brayden Holby to my surprise is looking very good. Um, their backups looking very good. Ben Bishop is working his way back into the lineup and then, that leaves Anton Hudobin, who's having kind of his worst season, you know, kind of like shrugging his shoulders, like, where am I going to be? Um, but James, I mean, is Dallas going to make the playoffs? Oh, I think it's, it's early, right? But I'm going to say yes, mainly because I've been a Dallas Stars fan since that quarantine year. Like, I've been following them forever. Love this team. Love everything about them. Uh, this last nine games that they've been on a tear, they've won eight of their last nine games. And they beat some really good teams, too. Talking about the Oilers, the Blues, the Avs, the Canes, the Blue Jacks. Their only loss came against the Wild, who's top of their division right now. And if you don't count that game against the Wild, it was a 7-2 to loss. Very lopsided. If you don't count that game, they've only let an average of 1.5 goals per game and scored 3.8 goals per game. But if you do count that, the last nine games, they've let in 2.1 goals per game and are scoring 3.6 goals per game. So either way you turn it, they're scoring more than they're letting in, which, as Trayton would eloquently say, is a great way to win. If you have a good goalie, good defense, and you're scoring, that's literally the recipe to winning games in the NHL. And this, that first line that they have, ridiculous. And I'm so glad they changed up. Like Jason Robertson, I think is in his third year or something, or second year. He's coming on strong. Yeah, his rookie was insane. And we're all talking about Cole Caulfield. But look at this guy. This guy last year was great. And he's paired up with Joel Pavelski, who is just a veteran's like a vet's vet like a dude right he's been around the league knows how to play is a great person great cap like i don't know if he's a captain but he should be um and rupee heights but the that line has been ridiculous because robertson's been on a tear just as much as the stars have over the last five games the dude has four goals and four assists has a five game point streak pavelski on the other hand has a couple goals couple assists too one of the others is going to happen it's either uh, Pavelski is going to score and Robertson assists or Robertson's going to score and Pavelski assists. It happens every single game. And with that comes success. And yes, I do think they're going to make playoffs, even though it's early, because if they continue playing that they have been, and if they make this part of their culture, instead of just like a phase, if they can ingrain this into their DNA, playing like this, we're going to push them towards the playoffs. And to be honest, they're really close. They're only two points back from the Jets, who's second in the division. And the Blues were in third in division, but they played three less games that they have. So it's kind of simple to make up those two points. So was their poor start overblown? It might have been. Because now they played three less games and they're right there with them. At the end of the day, though, I think the three teams that make it from this division are the Avs, the Wild, and the Stars. Yeah, I mean, dude, this team is just is looking so amazing. I mean, look, I look at, I always look at point percentage as my kind of gauge as to how they're performing, right? That's efficiency. That's the ability to get gather the points where you can. And if, if the playoffs were to end based on point percentage, they're in the playoffs right now. They're ahead of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, they're on an eight, two and oh uh, streak in the last 10. They have a six winning streak. They finally have a positive goal differential. And like you said, James, that first line is so hot right now. They are so freaking good. Um, Pavelski is just doing what he what he what he does. I mean, he he's a, he's a leader through and through. Um, Sharks fans, I think that's the largest reason why you guys completely have shit, shit the bed at least in the last couple of years by getting rid of by le- by letting him go. Um, he is he is a he's an impactful player, and he's he's a kind of player that every team needs to have. Um, he's one of my favorite players uh, in the, in the national hockey league. Um, and then you look at, like you said, James, you look at this um, um, you look at this Jason Robertson and wow, this kid is just unbelievable. He can't, he missed the first few games of the season. He only came in, I believe on the 27th. So he's only been there with, for the past uh, what, 17 games, if I'm not mistaken. And he has been unbelievable. I mean, um, I mean, let's look. He has 17 points in 15 games. 15 games, excuse me. It was 17 points. So he's over a point per per game. Um, you know, sitting with sitting with seven goals, 10 assists. What I mean, with an 18.4 shooting percentage, best in best on the team besides um, Jacob Peterson, who's you know only played like three games. 
uh, or I'm sorry, he's played 15 games, but he, he's only on the ice for 12 minutes. So it's pretty easy to have a higher shooting percentage if you get one in. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'd be worried if I was a central division. I mean, this team, this team is looking very, very good. They have, they have a whole goalie lineup that, you know, is looking very stellar. Braden Holpe is looking like what we expect of Braden Holpe back, back in his olden days. Um, Jake Ottinger has a 0.95 save percentage in five games. I mean, and you have, and you have um, Ben Bishop, who's, you know, working his way back into the, into the lineup. Like I'd be freaking worried if I was the central division, Um, especially when, you know, the avalanche just seem kind of, I mean, they're, they're looking better, but they just don't seem like they, uh, at least in the beginning, they didn't look like they, their normal selves. Winnipeg is really taking a step back. Um, you know, Nashville, I never know what we're going to expect. St. Louis, same thing. So this is, this is very, very interesting. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, I'd be, I'm even worried as a, as a person in the Western conference, because at the end of the day, only two, there's only two teams that go into the, um, wild card and it could be two from one division. So, um, it's quite, it's quite interesting. Um, but you know, we're going to see how that kind of, um, you know, trends um dallas is looking very hot um winnipeg just you know when that went i don't know if anybody saw the winnipeg leafs game turned into an absolute fucking shit show we had like two guys that are all, almost getting suspended two guys that got kicked out of the game one guy another guy that might get fined like it was an absolute fucking gong show apparently um <laughs> we saw we saw Connor mcdavid get thrown out of a game um which Finally. is we did know, it. that was that was crazy um that was pretty crazy um i don't think he's gonna get suspended it doesn't seem like um that would be pretty soft if they suspended him i'm i was actually at first not really impressed by the five minute misconduct but then you look at it's like okay that's a five minute misconduct but let's talk about all the other penalties that the guy that guys draws in that aren't called like that's the biggest problem that you know that that i think the coach has with that um calgary's looking good um and then you look at the other side you look at ovechkin who's just been incredible guys um so, you know, there's a lot going on in the NHL, um, a lot to, you know, we like to talk about the best things, but there, you know, there's, there's a lot more that we can talk about on this pod, but you know, that's all I have for this week. Stay tuned. Um, keep it, keep up with my, uh, with my power rankings. Um, they're a little shorter, so you can, you can, um, you know, read through them pretty quickly, get, you get your grasp on the, uh, on the NHL and, uh, it's a fun season guys. It's a really fun season. Yeah. Traders remember, keep in mind, you know, our, our, podcast is too long didn't read so you gotta gotta keep those blurbs short because people don't want to read it if it's too long you know what i mean so, exactly but you got it you got it you'll figure it out uh thank you trader for another fantastic hockey segment uh when we come back guys we're coming this is the last week of regular season fantasy football correct james i don't i don't know i'm pretty sure it is i pretty this is the last week until playoffs start so make sure you guys yep. are tuning into this next segment because this can make or break your playoff chances stick with us With health concerns on the rise, it's as important as ever to keep your people safe. Dimer isn't another BS COVID company. They've been developing their tech to kill germs and save lives since 2014. Dimer's original UBC products have won them partnerships with some of the best technology companies in the country and earned them a spot on Time Magazine's Best Inventions of 2020. Dimer started out disinfecting airplanes. Now they're in hospitals, athletic facilities, hotels, classrooms, basically anywhere people might have been sick. When it comes to keeping your players, employees, guests, and customers in your facility safe, trust Dimer. For TLDR listeners, they are offering free disinfection as a service in select areas. So that means they will come disinfect your facility for free. You can take them up on this offer by visiting DimerUV.com and at DimerUV on social media. Use code TLDR for your first disinfection as a service appointment for free. That's Dimer, like diner with an M, as in Mike Trout. Ever heard of him? Kill more germs, prevent more infections, save more lives. D-I-M-E-R-U-V dot com. Welcome back, everybody. Guys, we all know this is the most stressful time of year for fantasy owners. Um, some, some people, like James, has, have been in the playoffs for weeks now, so they're just, they're just cruising along. But a lot of you are need a win this week, have to win. Uh, so for those people, make sure you're paying attention because James is going to offer up some great advice, again, 
to tell you who to pick up on the waiver wire because we still got some buys going on. There are teams on buys. So, James, what do we got? All right, guys, just full disclosure, it was a tough week for me to find people to pick. Um, my, my quarterback, when I mentioned that you're going to be like, what the fuck was he thinking? And, you know, I would think the same thing because this was a weird pick. But before we get into all that, a uh, quick update on our fantasy league here. Tyler beat me, yeah. which doesn't really matter because I'm going to make playoffs anyway, and he's still not. Wow. So that was a whack loss for myself. That is what it is. Eric got a second win. He beat Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Traden lost, and Alex lost. And I think the playoffs are shaping up to be me and Traden and two other people, maybe Anthony, maybe Zach. I don't know. As long as I'm um, not fourth, I'm fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> you won't have to play me. But yes. everybody else in this podcast, Alex, Tyler, and Eric have been eliminated. I mean, that was Eric was obvious from week three on. Um, <laughs> but as Tyler had alluded to, we have we do have teams on by. So if you have players on these teams, please listen up. Indianapolis Colts, Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots, and Philadelphia Eagles. A lot of a lot of fantasy players there. Number one overall running back. If you have Jonathan Taylor, you got to find a running back ASAP. But we're gonna start for quarterback. And like I had mentioned. This is a weird pick, and I can't believe I picked it, but we're going to go with Jared Goff from the Detroit Lions. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You guys should have the exact same reaction because this was whew, shot in the dark. 3.6% rostered. He put up 19.94 points against the Vikings in the Lions' first one of the season, so congratulations to Dan Campbell and the Lions. You guys deserve it. 25 for 41, 296 yards, and three touchdowns. Honestly, I'm picking this based off the momentum off their first win. And with DeAndre Swift out, they're going to have to pass more. And to be honest, he's been doing decent the last couple weeks. He has a 5-1 to touchdown to interception ratio. And we saw with the Rams, he has the potential to put up some decent QB fantasy numbers. In week one against the Niners, he put up 28 points. But in the couple of years with Sean McVay, like he was doing decent. Like he was a mid-tier RB or a quarterback too. He wasn't a starter, but he could fill in. Uh, this year, not so much. But maybe from this point forward, we'll see. Up next, they play the Denver Broncos, who, to be honest, don't really have a great defense ever since Vaughn Miller left and was traded. So who knows? This could just be like the Detroit Lions trying to win another game. And so Jared Goff's going to go off. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. He's had a very interesting pick. I was a little shaken by it. I'm I'm trying to figure out, okay, what do we got? What do we got here? Jared Goff. Okay. Uh, Obviously, as you mentioned, coming off a really great week. You know, and this is a team that they don't really have anything to lose. So, I mean, you, you can, they're going to go out and they're just going to try and score and they're going to try and just have some fun playing football. Um, and against a team, you know, an okay team, I would worry a little bit just because Denver is kind of still in the hunt playoff wise. So I think they're definitely going to bring their A game. Um, but the Lions have been playing better the last probably three or four weeks. They've been more competitive. Um, as we saw last, uh, last week, they had the, that great game where they won on a last second touchdown pass by, by Jared Goff. So um, not, you know, not the worst pick in the world. Um, you know, I think he's had three like weeks that are like above 15 points. So, you know, you just got, you kind of got to know what you're getting yourself into here. But uh, like I said, this is, this is we're in week 14. So. Yeah. There's really not much to choose from guys. Yeah. Really not much to choose from. So trading tell me what you think, man. Yeah, so the, the, look, I, I think they, Jared Goff's probably you know one of the better picks, and I think you're just kind of th- throwing it kind of hail mary situation here, and that's not a bad thing. Um, I, look, then I I would come on this podcast and say, even though Taysom Hill th- threw uh, four interceptions, he's still got twenty points because of his because of his running game. You could he's still viable, but I that's no fun. I want to bring in someone else. He and might not start, bro. Huh. Trevor Sidman might get his job back. He might get his job back, but we'll see. So that's if, he doesn't, like then, if he doesn't, then you're going to get that boom. But here's the thing. You're, this is not a situation where you're looking for a guy that's long-term. You're looking for a boom guy, especially if you're on, if you're that fifth place guy and you absolutely need to win, you are throwing a Hail Mary. And I'm not sure that Jared Goff's the guy. I think, and bear with me because this is fucking insane. I'm going to bring back Cam Newton. And I'm going to tell you why. He's playing against Atlanta, who is who has a terrible defense cam newton is going to get the start it sounds like and this is a guy that you know can move the ball with his legs and atlanta also also it is not very very strong defensively so he is hopefully he's going to learn from his mistakes and actually make make a, um, a a bit of a game now this is a gamble i understand but if you're a guy that absolutely needs a 20 point guy 
and, and you can't get any less like you're playing against a guy who has a Josh Allen who's playing or a or a Tom Brady who's playing and you absolutely need an opportunity to win if it's even if it's just a Hail Mary then you got to play him you can't play a guy that Jared Goff has a very low a very low ceiling he's not he's not very strong that way you know what I mean I don't even know if I'm gonna get a double digit um points so that the floor is kind of weak so Cam Newton's a better boom opportunity. If you're looking for something that's a little bit more stable, go with Jared Goff. You could even go with Taylor Heineke, who is actually a, has a lot better um, stable um, floor. But Cam Newton, if you're if you need a a a a long bomb hail mary attempt to make playoffs, you have to take a guy that that can get you 20 points. And Cam Newton is that guy. It's so sketchy because he's you get a 50% shot of him getting zero because he True. doesn't see the field, or True. 50% shot of him getting 23 points. Because he True. throws five picks, but also runs in for a touchdown. That's a gamble. That's it the is. biggest gamble we've heard. To, it is some Eric type shit. If you're sitting in a must-win situation and, and it's like you either do or you die because you have, I mean, like you said, who's your quarterbacks on the on the uh, uh, buy list right now? Jalen Hurts. Uh, you got Carson, Carson Wentz, Tua, uh, Mac Jones, and Jalen Hurts. Those guys have those guys put up pretty solid numbers. They give they give you double digit numbers. And if you're sitting in a situation where you're like, oh, I don't have anybody else and I have to win. It's like like I, I can't. There's no there's a no lose situation. You need points. That's it's better than Jared Goff, in my opinion, in that respect. Wow. OK, I <laughs> let's make a, you want to make a bet. <laughs> I want to say that Jared Goff puts up more points than Cam Newton's next week. Ooh. OK, I, I, I three put, rounds. I'll, I'll put 10 bucks on that. Three rounds. Three rounds of beers? Yeah. That's doable. That's more than 10 bucks. But yeah. Put it on the board. <laughs> it isn't if you go to a brewery and get the cheapest beer. That's mm. still like at least that's 12. at least three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so, down for that. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty fun. Oh, my God. I'm going to win. Thank you so much. <laughs> Moving on to running back here. We have Tevin Coleman of the New York Jets. Rostered in 41.3% of leagues. Put up 10.7 points against Philadelphia. 11 carries for 58 yards. Three receptions for 19 yards. This is the guy like Tevin Coleman is going to be the guy for the jets until Michael Carr comes back and Michael Carr is on IR for at least another week. And it's going to be a steady workload for him and fantasy points just because of what we've seen the last couple of weeks and because of what's going to happen coming up. He has good knowledge of the playbook because he was in San Francisco before this year. And the offensive coordinator for the jets is from San Francisco. And so, I mean, like this is second nature for him. He played with Kyle Shanahan when he was in Atlanta. He played with Kyle Shanahan when he was with, uh, San Francisco, and now that same offense coordinator that followed Kyle Shanahan is now with the Jets. So, Tevin Coleman just steps in, takes this role, and rides with it. Uh, up next, he plays New Orleans Saints, who, yeah, dude, they do have a really good defense, but they have some QB trouble right now, so it might not be a high-scoring game. And with that, there's probably more running opportunities because neither neither team is going to want to throw the ball with these quarterbacks, to be honest with you. <laughs> and so it's going to take off pressure with Wilson, run some more, do some dump offs, make it easy. Tevin Coleman can run and can catch. Traden, what do you think? I, I think this is kind of the the perfect situation for for those players. You know, those guys who have Jonathan Taylor. You know, out this week. You know, this is a guy that's going to be a fill in. Um, the Jets are not very good, but you, to your point, James, you have my or you have New Orleans, who are just probably not going to be very very strong offensively, um, and you know, a, a strong defense, defensive team from at least from the past game, especially. So you're going to be trying to move the ball on the ground all game. He, he's seen 27 um, carries over his last two games and no other running back saw more than one carry against, you know, Philly. So his, his ceiling, his ceiling isn't very high, but I think you can, I think you can expect him to get nearly, if not double digit, um, you know, points, which is all you really need from a guy like that. Um, that's going to get you by um, just because all of the, all of the good running backs at this point in, the, in this point in the season are nabbed are grabbed. Like that's, that's the reality of it. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to um, bet on the jets, you know, t- you know, Tevin in, in Temp and Coleman with the jets, just simply because Michael Carter's out. Um, and, you know, he's a veteran, he, he knows the game and um, that's, that's really what you're kind of banking on this year, this week. Todd, what do you think, man? Yeah. So full disclosure, before I talk about running backs, we all know how awesome I am at picking running backs. Um, <laughs> it's not good. For example, last week, uh, I dropped Mike Davis, picked up Rex Burkhead, 
Mike Davis went off for like 15 points and Rex Burkhead got like five. So <clears throat> yeah, that's, that, that's, that's my, <laughs> that's my luck with the running backs, but um, I'm look I'm looking at Dontrell Hillard this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, obviously the Tennessee the, guy, the Tennessee guy, obviously oh. the caveat to that is whether or not um, Henry comes back for injury, but looking at the reports, it's not likely he's There's going no to, way. it's going to be, especially against the Jacksonville Jaguars team. Like why would they risk him coming back early against a team like that? Um, so I think it's a pretty safe bet that he's not going to be there. So I think Hillard comes in and he's stepped in the last two weeks, put up 16.2 points and 18.3 points. Now, you know, granted, he's kind of a big boomer bust guy. I think on that, uh, or two weeks ago, uh, he got like over half of his yards on one run, but Hey, I mean, if he's a big play guy, maybe he'll, I mean, it's against the, the, the Jaguars. I mean, they're going to probably put up a lot of points against that team. Um, so yeah, Tyler kinda, heads up just typically when you say big play guy, you refer to like wide receivers on running back to like a 60 yard run. That's just on a missed block or a missed tackle. It's not, there's nothing that the running back really does. You still to make had that to happen. run. You still had to run. <laughs> okay. You could probably, you no, you can't. your hips suck. Trayton uh, could do that. I don't know about that. <laughs> Trayton hey. could run through that hole. <laughs> it's pretty quick. Yeah. Tyler, well, you're not athletic. I feel like, I, I feel like the Jacksonville Jaguars will miss a lot of tackles. So, wow. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Solid pick, man. Didn't even think about that one. We'll see what happens. Like, He'll probably score like two points. So you <laughs> should pick him up. Wait, my luck Drop your was. best guy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Let me pick him up. We can pull that same shit that your friend Garrett pulled for, you know, basketball. Oh, that yeah, dumb yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm still bitter about that. I would have won. <laughs> Moving on to wide receiver. We got Russell Gage out of Atlanta. Owned a roster in 24.9% of leagues. He put up a gnarly, gnarly amount against the Bucks defense. 22 points. 11 catches on 12 targets for 130 yards. Not a touchdown, but he still put up 22 points. Ridiculous. He has now posted two back-to-back solid fantasy weeks. And with Calvin Ridley still out, he is the main guy. I mean, he averages nine targets over the last three games. He's a target machine, and it's ridiculous. Um, to be honest, this Falcons team just sucks overall. A bad offense, bad defense. And you're going to have to throw. And Gage is honestly the best option right now. There's nobody else. You can throw it to Kyle Pitts, but Kyle Pitts drops half of his throws. So Matt Ryan's just going to throw it to Russell Gage because he is the only person there. Moving or up next, they play against the Carolina Panthers. They've been struggling as of late on defense. They've just allowed 33 points to Miami and 27 points to Washington. So Atlanta Falcons, can you can you put a 30 plus? Give Russell Gage another 12 targets. We'll see what happens. Tyler, thoughts? Yeah, I like this pick a lot. I think uh, I think for me, it's it's kind of the you know, when you were this late in the season, it's hard to kind of find an obvious pick, but I think this is about as obvious as you get with the reasons you mentioned. I mean, like I said, you know, he, he's pretty much the only option there right now in Atlanta. And, you know, Matt, Matt Ryan, you know, he's not what he once was, but he's still a very solid quarterback. Uh, he's going to get the ball to this guy as much as possible, um, which is going to give you a lot of fantasy points. So uh, he's been trending up. He's been getting a ton of targets the last few weeks. I don't see that slowing down for any reason. Uh, Russell Gage. I don't, I don't, I'm curious to see what Traden's got because I don't, I don't see anyone that can be better. I'm also curious. So Traden, what do you got? Yeah. Look, the reality is this is a tough one because I think that Russell Gage is probably the better option than what I'm about to say, but you know what? There's more than, there's more than one person and guess what? Someone's going to pick up uh, Russell Gage. So you got to have a backup plan and here's your backup plan because Adam Thielen is going to miss time. I'm going to say KJ Osborne. Um, that, I mean, the, the, I mean, I know that I know that you have Justin Jefferson that you're competing against, but look, this guy, this guy was targeted seven times, uh, in the last, in the last game. And he, and he has had seven to nine targets, you know, in, in past games. And when he has been um, targeted that much, he makes it count. Um, uh, you know, he put, he put up 76, uh, 76 yards in the, in the first game with on nine targets. And, you know, when he also is able to make, uh, make touchdowns. The Vikings are going to play the Steelers. They allowed the 10th most fantasy points to wide receivers. And this is a Thursday game. Steelers are going to be tired after their, after their, uh, after their game against um, uh, the Ravens. So I I just think he's a viable option for you. If you, if you can't get Russell Gage Um, and as long as Trevor, I'm sorry, as long as Adam Thielen's out, which could be a while, this guy might be someone that you're just going to kind of rely on if you don't have anything better. Interesting. I like that. Moving on to tight end, we have Tyler Conklin out of Minnesota. He is rostered in 34.9% of leagues. He put up 12.6 points against Detroit, seven catches on nine targets for 56 yards. 
pretty much all of everything that Trayden just said, arguing for KJ Osborne. I'm going to argue for Tyler Conklin. I think Tyler Conklin is really good at what he does. He's making his second appearance on this list, but I think the major reason why he's going to be so much better is because Adam Thielen is out. Those targets, I don't think will go to KJ Osborne because let's be real. Uh, Kirk Cousins is not a deep ball thrower, and that's what KJ Osborne does. Matt, or, uh, Kirk Cousins throws short, and he throws to possession receivers. And guess what? That's what a tight end is. He runs short routes, and he's going to be a big body in the end zone. And that's where you can get your points. KJ Osborne, he's not a small dude, but he's not a big receiver either. And he, he, he's the dude that runs deep routes. I mean, like, Kirk Cousins hasn't thrown deep in a long time. It's I, He's not good at it. And, I mean, he uh, Tyler Conklin gets a lot of targets, too. He hasn't scored a touchdown since week 10, but he's still a major part of the offense. And to be honest, he's the 13th ranked tight end on the season. He's not bad, guys. Up next, as Trader mentioned, they're playing Pittsburgh, who might be tired because they played the Ravens on Thursday Night Football. And the Steelers are not like the team that we're used to at all. They just allowed Mark Andrews to get 50 yards and four catches. So that's at least nine points right there for a tight end. Not bad. Trayden, you argue for KJ Osborne, not argue for Tyler Conklin. Same team. What do you got? With Adam Thielen out for the, this week, Tyler, Conklin, <laughs> Tyler Conklin's targets are only going to go up. <laughs> it's literally the same argument, right? Um, Conklin is probably the number two option, admittedly. And to be honest, the, the KJ Osborne, is pro- he's probably the third best option. And I had to find someone out there. Okay, you took you took Russell Gage, so I had to pick someone. So you know, I'm probably I'm, I'm going to say that Tyler Conklin is the number two option, you know, behind Justin Jefferson, who is an absolute stud. Um, and that's just gonna that's just gonna continue. Um, he's he's gonna be a big part of that offense now, especially because Thielen's out. Um, and just expect I I would expect more than nine points this next game. I, I I'd expect a touchdown just because you don't have to worry about Adam Thielen stealing your thunder. That's true. Adam Thielen did get a lot of touchdowns, but not anymore because he's out, which sucks for my fantasy team. So I might have to pick up Russell Gage. Wow. Tyler, what do you think? Gerald Everett. No, I'm just Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I picked him last week and again, scored. I mean, I don't even put up a full point. It was like 0.7 points or something. He like he had like a fumble and then another fumble and then he caused an interception. Yeah. So (laughs) stay away from Gerald Everett. Um, So. The other tight end that I think might do use a, a, a pretty solid uh, David Njoku. I don't know if I said that right. Maybe I did. Yeah, you did. Good job. Oh, quit. Nailed it. Uh, from the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Uh, they're playing the Baltimore Ravens this week. Uh, they played the Baltimore Ravens two weeks ago, uh, and he put up 12.5 points against the, the Baltimore Ravens defense. So, um, again, uh, a, a Browns offense that, you know, I don't know if I have the, a lot of confidence in it, but, again, this is a week 14 waiver tight end pickup uh njoku is a top 20 tight end in in fantasy points um not a not a bad option i feel like he's definitely going to give you some catches um maybe a touchdown in there um so it's a big game for the browns um so i think they're going to come out all all cylinders firing so hopefully njoku is a big part of the game plan hopefully yeah i actually don't mind this pick at all and the reason why is because is because you have a you have a struggling and and ailing baker mayfield who's going to be looking to kind of get back into it i mean he's and and what better than to find your security blanket in a tight end and so he's going to probably look for those short passes and 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 give it to him all game um you know we know that <laughs> baker mayfield's better better than than he has been showing and i think that this is going to be his opportunity to you know after a bye he he's hurt, hurt he's injured but he's going to fight through it and I, I think that he's going to be targeting his tight end all all uh, week. So uh, Tyler, I don't think that's a bad pick at all. My pick's better, but so. bottom of the bottom of the barrel. I mean, I guess you can't do any better than that. Well, you guys said the entire time in this entire thing about the tight end. You said Baker Mayfield was going to throw to his tight end. You didn't really say David and Joku, right? The thing about Cleveland is they run a three tight end system. They have David and Joku, Austin Hooper, and Harrison Bryant. Austin Hooper played well with the Vikings, like or the Falcons. He's a good pass catcher. Harrison Bryant won the award for best tight end in college. Like these are three tight ends who just circulate around the field and you don't know who's going to be targeted at that one time. It's like um, the receiving like, corp for the Rams. Like they had, they had Robert Woods, they got Cooper cup. And they, when, if um, when Van Jefferson was there too, like the targets get circulated. Right. And so what are you going to do? How are you, you're, you're gambling by picking one tight end. True. True. It's, That's it's tough. also like, it's also like uh 
the running game for the Patriots. I mean, you never know what yeah. you're you got you got three circulating running backs. You can't bank on one. You might get lucky and pick the right one, but the other week, I feel like, I feel like that's the problem chance. with Mike Evans and and Chris Godwin, right? Like, oh, it, absolutely. And which Gronk one are you too? gonna get? <laughs> yeah. And so that's a tough pick. If you if you're feeling pick. lucky and you just want to go all for it, you but pick up look, David and Joku look, and get Cam Newton. Like I said, you have to <laughs> scrape. We're scraping here, man. And you know you're scraping. Tyler well, Conklin was probably Jared Goff. <laughs> Tyler Conklin was probably the biggest layup in the tight ends in the last five weeks for you. Like there was, there's no one better. Like that, that was easy. There's no one. Even uh, no one had Zacherts. That Zacherts pick did wonders. I'm so, I'm saying maybe in the last three or four weeks when you. It's oh, been okay. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Who yeah. pick? I, I mean, I had Joe Everett who went up for 14 points the next week, which is great. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I pick him, he scores negative three. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it is. What, you Don't know, listen just, to me. My picks last for one week for the most part, sometimes multiple if you get a good one. But don't ever pick them again after I said them. <laughs> Not a good call. <laughs> that pretty much wraps up my segment. Good luck to everybody making playoffs and good luck to those trying to make playoffs. Pick up Cam Newton. See what happens. You'll probably lose. Tyler, that's all I got, man. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah, I'm glued into that Cam Newton-Jared Goff fantasy matchup. See which ones – or see which guy does better. But, yeah, good luck to all you guys out there. Hopefully you guys make the right picks. And if not, don't blame us. Uh, so we're going to finish off here with one more segment. We're going to talk a little bit baseball. Some pretty big news happened last week. Stick around to find out what that was. Welcome back everybody to our final segment here of episode 76. Uh, we're talking major league baseball. There's a lockout. There is no baseball at the moment, not just because of off season, but there's no baseball whatsoever. Um, unfortunately last week, the CBA expired. The players and the owners could not agree on a new deal and the owners decided to lock out the players for the foreseeable future. Um, so and this, this, this is their first. This is their first lockout that the MLB and the players have had in over 25 years. Um, so it's, there's been a long period of, of of labor peace, and it ended last week. Um, so what does that really mean? Uh, obviously, there's no games going on, but that means there's no free agent signings. Uh, players can't use team facilities, and there's technically no contact of any kind allowed between the team and the player. Um, obviously right now there's not much going on, so it's not that big of a deal right now, but as winter starts to come to a close and we start turning the calendar to February and there's, if there's still no deal being done, then it's going to get real nerve wracking. And we're looking at possible loss of games. Spring train's going to be pushed back. That's when it's going to get real dicey. Um, so obviously the owner's goal of this lockout is to push negotiations forward so that hopefully they can strike a new deal, uh, within the next couple of months here. Um, so I just want to wanted to have a, a kind of an open topic discussion for the, some, some guys like there's a, there's a lot of questions. I'm sure people are confused with like what's going on. Like what are the main points of arguments? Like, you know, is this, does this mean there's not going to be any games? Like what's going on? So um, Trayton, I'll start with you. Like kind of like what, what was your reaction to the news and like, what do you got? What's your opinion on this? Any questions you got? Like what's going uh, on? I think it would be helpful if you could explain what, the impasse is so i mean to give you to give you some context and give give fans context who give a shit about the nhl um, the nhl had their issues with the cba based on um escrow which is which is basically the revenue sharing between the the the, the owners and the players so both both parties get the equal amount and what that means is generally the players generally earn more than the than the the owners and so the players have to give up some of their salary so that they um, so that they meet 50 50. And when that's lopsided, there's, you know, there's consi considerable losses of your paycheck, you know, from especially from the high earners in the NHL. So um, that was discussed. The Olympics was a big discussion in the last CBA, if you read my article. So, Tyler, what's what are the issues for the M MLB at this point after 25 years of peace? What's what's going on? Yeah, so there, there's a lot. A lot of that is, is revenue sharing. Um, like, as you mentioned, the MLB has a similar, similar issue. But really the main, I'd say, core of the, of the conflict here has to do with service time and arbitration for players. And, we're, and, and, and I'm not talking about the, the Corey Seegers that just got his, his, his big contract, right? I'm talking those like 
tier one, tier three, like the, the kind of, the kind of middle class of MLB players. Um, just so you guys know. So essentially as soon as a, a player makes his MLB debut, that starts his service time clock. And he, and that player has six years of, 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 of service time, meaning that the team has control of that player for six years. And every year that player goes in off in off season, what's called arbitration, which is this really complicated process that determines the player's value, right? So they can make more or less money depending on how they performed, but they're not going to make as much money because the only the team that they're playing for can offer them that money. They, they can't say, Oh, this team's offering me this much money. So bump me up or, you know, so they can only make really so much money in, in, in that process. Now, six years for a middle-class player, you know, when you're coming up is probably the prime of your career, most likely. Um, so by the time that they hit free agency, right, in six years, they're approaching 30 or pretty close to it or have kind of already had the prime of their careers. So they're kind of starting to tail off. So their issue is they want their service time to be less. So, you know, maybe a four or five-year service time or the arbitration process to give them more money because they feel like they're losing money because of how long service time is. Um, and it also kind of um, allows for teams to keep players in the minor leagues longer because they know that if you keep them in there for, for you know, two or a, a year or two longer, they're going to reach that kind of point where they're going to be older, not make as much money and they can pay them less. It, it's all about money. As, as you guys know, um, another big thing is players don't like um, the process of tanking. They don't like this rebuild situation that's going on. That, and again, a lot of ha that has to do with money and service time and all this stuff. It's really complicated, um, but they want to basically put barriers in place that will allow for a more overall competitive market. Obviously, when you don't have a salary cap, that makes that very difficult. And there's not really a clear answer for service time either, because even if you push back, like say you push back service time to be five years, that's just going to give teams incentive to keep in, in, in the minor leagues longer, which obviously players don't want. So it's, there's not really a really good clear answer on the player side of it, which it's, it's kind of one of those things. There's not a really good solution to the problem that the players have. It's just kind of the way things are. So I'm really curious to see what the players, like I wish I could be a fly in the wall in these meetings to see what their kind of, what their um, plan is to fix that. Because I personally don't see a solution to it. I think that's kind of what the owners are. I'm like, like listen, like this is what it is like. And, and, and the owners kind of thing is like, you know, we, we don't have a salary cap. So I mean, the, the best players are going to, they're, they're going to get played. They're going to get paid big bucks. So like, what are you guys complaining about? We offer, I mean, the baseball players get paid the best out of any professional sport be, be, because of that. Um, but again, it's, it, this is not coming from the, the you know, the, the, the all-stars is it's not coming from the, the uh, Max Scherzer's the, 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 the Corey Seager's this is the, the middle-class, the middle-class players that are going to get those, you know, they're getting paid, you know, at max like 10, 10 mil a year, you know, the, the, those kind of guys. Um, that are trying to get as much money as they can. And it's all about service time. It's all about arbitration. That's the main, I think, core issue where, there, where there's really no budging on, 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 on either side. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's really the main point of contention. There, there's, there's other topics too, like um, ex, expanded playoffs. The, 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 the league wants to expand it from 10 teams to 14 teams. Uh, there's issues about the universal DH. They want to put the DH in both leagues. Uh, there's issues about pitching clocks, whether there should be a timer for, for, for pitchers to throw the balls. So there's a lot of like little small details that um, I think are, are less of an issue. Um, but, the, the, but the main one, of course, as it always is, is about money and the, kind of the economics of the game. Um, but James, what do, you, what do you got in terms of this stuff? Like what's, what's on your mind when it comes to this MLB lockout? Do players get paid during this lockout? No. Though, but players don't get paid in, in, in the offseason period. So, right. But so if this lockout continues on to what's supposed to be the season, will they get paid? No. Then no. why was there such a huge push to get all these contracts done before the CBA was locked out? I think some players just wanted comfort in knowing that hopefully that the CBA would get figured out um, so that they can get that deal done so that when this lockout happened, they're like, hey, at least I know where I'm going to be. We assuming that the CBA gets done because the, the, the C, because there's no free agent talks at the moment right now, like it's not allowed. So they, they wanted to get it done knowing that versus like, say this, the, the CBA gets approved like February 5th, like a week before spring training. Now you only got a week until spring training starts to figure out free agency and figure out where you want to go. It's not a lot of time. Um, so sure. I think they, so I think they wanted to get that done early with, obviously there's a possibility that you may not get paid that much, that money, you know, if, if the CBA doesn't, doesn't happen, but at least, 
the deal is in place that hopefully things something does get done and when it does you're you're ready to roll like you know where you're you're headed versus you have versus if you're if you're not signing if you're free agent right now you just have to hope and wait and wait until this uh, cba gets signed and then you can start negotiating a salary from there and that can be you know like i said that's it, it, it could be leading up to a day before spring training starts like you know we don't know how long that's going to take further further we if if what you say is true tyler in that that there there has to do with their their like revenue sharing might be an issue there might be some legit changes to the cba that would actually hurt a a high earner you know so they it was probably in their best interest to be like i don't know where the cba rules are heading or terms are heading so it's better for me to take i like where the cba is now i'm going to take advantage of it um, especially those high earners, because because it sounds like the MLB is very similar to the NHL in that the high earners are going to be fine. It's the middle class that is shrinking. It's very similar to what we're seeing in real life. I mean, that's that that's the the reality of it is that middle is that middle class is shrinking, and to fix that, you have to take from someone. And if there's any going to be any changes from the top, you know, your Max Scherzer's and stuff are going to be like, oh fuck, I don't want to be part of that. So they went like quick to get it in. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, I would say probably, you know, I mean, the best pitcher, Max Scherzer signed, you know, I would say, you know, probably three or four of the top five, po- po- top five position players signed, signed contracts, a lot of pitchers signed contracts. There's still a ton of free agents that are up for grabs that are still very good too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think trading that, 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 that's a good point, you know, to take advantage of the rules that are in place. You, you sign the contract, you're ready to go, you know? Um, uh, I have another question, Tyler, in your professional opinion, in your podcaster opinion, based off what you've heard and seen over the last week, what are the chances on a scale of 0% to 100% that this deal gets worked out before the start of the regular season? It's a great question. Um, right now, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty confident. I would say probably like 80% confident that's going to get done. Um, the reason being is I don't think I mean, I guess the players and owners do have a choice technically in the matter, but given the, the pandemic shortened season and how much money that they lost there, I don't know how they're going to be able to cope with losing the, 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 the revenue that they lost with that. And less than two years later, you're going to lose more games due to, the, due to a labor dispute. That's going to be a huge, huge blow to the league and the players, the fans. I don't think that they can afford that whatsoever. So they have a lot of motivation to get this done because of the pandemic um, and, 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 and what happened there. <clears throat> um, uh, like I said, it's with, with, with these labor disputes, you know, it's really hard to tell. I think NHL's had a lot more of them. I feel like in the past compared to other leagues, um, I haven't been around. I haven't been around for one that's happened with baseball yet. Um, it's been pretty peaceful since I've, since I've been alive and kind of seen what, what, what they've been up to, but I've seen the NHL, and how it can it can bleed over into the regular season, and you lose half a season. Um, you know, it's definitely possible. Um, from what I've seen, from what I've read, it seems like both parties definitely want to get this deal done. Um, I think they will, mainly because no one wants to lose baseball game on both sides. Um, it's gonna it would be a you know a both a disaster financially and uh, for just public relations. Like no one wants to see their sport not play because they can't agree on money issues on money issues that us regular folks just don't understand. We don't, we can't grasp the concepts of millions of dollars and, and arguing over, you know, millions of dollars. Like we, we just don't, we can't grasp that kind of money. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I deal with that every day, but <laughs> oh, well, you know, most oh. of us that we, I, I, you know, I can't relate to that kind of like, Oh, you're arguing over, you know, a few million dollars. Like, aren't you lucky you're making, you know, yeah. the minimum salary, which is like yeah. 750 or whatever it is right now. Um, so it, it, from a, from a relation standpoint too, I think it's super important that they get a deal done. I feel like it's going to be pushing the time frame. Like I, I think if, it, if anything gets done earlier than late January, I'd be very surprised. I think it's going to be a story all winter long. I think it's going to get to a point where people are going to be sweating a little bit and it's going to be nerve wracking. But I think at the end of the day, this deal will get done and we will have baseball games that will start on time. I I'm about 80% confident right now that that's going to happen. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think anything else guys. Yeah. What I, what I think you, Tyler, you did a good job because uh, you know, you see a lot of posts about uh, out there, there's that basically are asking which side are you on? 
And I think that that's the wrong way to look at this. You know, yeah. I mean, the re, because of the re, the reality is the, there has to be an agreement. There has there can't be a winning situation. And, you know, we, we have these posts that go out there and try to create even more tribalism than we already have when in reality, we actually need to find a way to come together and actually have a, a reasonable discussion over things. And I think this is just another situation of that. And we should be cheering for the for the for an agreement to happen, not for the players to get the to, to players to win or the owners to win, because that's not the right, right way to go about it, because the reality is it's only going to be longer if they can't find common ground. So um, if, if you're if you're posting those kind of posts that are you know trying to trying to bring in, you know, views and stuff, I think you should think twice about that because you, you're, we're not trying to create dissension. We're actually trying to cre- hope for actual agreement for something guys it's it's like a relationship you got to compromise both sides got to give to make things work for the greater good it is what it is now here's the thing though i mean you you fix you fix a lot of issues with tanking by just installing a a, a salary cap and the issue is is good teams good teams or, or i guess you could say rich teams aren't don't get the benefit right they don't get the benefit of being rich they have to they have to give back to the league um so i mean it's it's tough but it is it is tough um like you said it's that's definitely not it's not the the you know the uh big market teams that are in any trouble it's not the big name players that are in any trouble it's everyone else it's that it's that middle class and it's kind of like as you great chain you kind of mentioned too, it's kind of what's going on in this country right now right there's the, the rich of the rich they they're they're chilling they're doing fine it's every, it's that middle class that's supposed to be you know, that have that wants that equal opportunity. I think they know they're not going to be that good, but they want more than what they, that they're getting. I think they're, they're, being, they're being treated unfairly, which I can understand that, you know, I, I, I can, I can get that from a, you know, struggling middle-class citizen myself. I can, I can kind of relate to that just on their, their level. It's much higher, but you know, you know, uh, subjectively it's different. Um, so yeah, hopefully everything gets done. As you said, I think that was a great point you guys made. Like, you know, we want to root for compromise. We want to root for baseball at the end of the day. We want baseball to happen. We want the owners and players to, to agree on something. And like I said, right now, as of December 6th, I'm 80% confident it's going to happen. Like I said, right now, thankfully, it's winter months anyway. Like there's no baseball going on. So I'm, I'm not too worried about it at the moment. I'm not too angry about it. Uh, it, it is what it is. Hopefully that the, the lockout, as owners hope does spur the negotiations and hopes, you know, it kind of pushes that um, to go a little bit faster and to get them in a room talking and hopefully going to figure something out. So uh, if you guys don't have anything else, uh, I think that's going to be the end of the podcast here. So thank you guys for listening to episode 76 approaching 80 guys. Um, so as I mentioned before, uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying your, 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 your holiday season, whatever holiday that you celebrate, and uh, we hope you guys are enjoying friends and family. I know I know a lot of people, you know, work-wise, starting to slow down a little bit. Hopefully, it it is for you. There's obviously a lot of people that are very very busy busy this time of year. So hopefully, you guys are pushing through it, and uh, we wish you all the best. Hope you have a fantastic week. We'll see you next time.